Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi guys, welcome to the very good Fill Your Boots podcast. My name is Lucy and I'm joined by my two amazing guests, rugby journalists Katie Homewood and Z Alema, the Sunday Times Sportsman of the Year for 2020. Thank you so much for being on our first show. The theme for today is getting into the game and Z, you have been on Fill Your Boots before. You've discussed when you started rugby and given us the wonderful journey you've been on. Having played for as long as you have, we've seen such a boom since in women taking up the sport in the last year or so. Why do you feel there's been such a big uptake in players in the sport in recent months? Um, I think a lot of it is to do with um, the exposure, um, especially in the women's game. Um, even more recently, most recently, it was on BBC Ed on BBC, which is amazing. But I think the lead up to that, even going back to the World Cup, 2014 World Cup with England winning, I think that was a massive boost for women's rugby. And a lot of people got engaged and um, got involved as a um, sort of aftermath of that amazing win. So I think since then, women's rugby has been at the forefront of people's minds, I guess. And it's sort of given that exposure that was needed for the women's game. Um, we're seeing a lot of streaming, especially in the 2015s. Premiership, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. People can access uh, the games live and watch it through YouTube, uh, England Rugby, etc. So I think the exposure of it on social media has helped a lot to grow the sport, which is which is amazing. Absolutely, and you've got quite a few seasons under your belt now, and been through quite a few clubs. What is the main differences you've seen between starting and now in in the sport for you? Um, I think when I started out, from my own personal experiences. It was a bit, I started on under 18, that even child finders. And I think then as a 17 year old, I was sort of still trying to find my feet within the rugby community. But I think now the rugby community is such a place where it's a kind of a small world. A lot of people know each other. You can move from club to club and, you know, an ex-player from your previous club might be there or uh, you might see somebody that you met, you know, at a social, for example. So I think for me it's, as I've gotten older in my rugby journey, it's just feeling that sense of rugby community. Well, I think that's when I started as a 17-year-old, I sort of wasn't really aware, even though um, I think it was, I don't know if it was an age thing for me. I was, I just started out, I wasn't really sure how, where I fitted in. But now it's like, you can, I can go to any club right now and just, you know, blend in. So I think that's testament to the, the rugby community and how, um, how much there's a lot of togetherness and a bond. Absolutely. And do you think that there's been an improvement with how women are brought into the sport in terms of how coaches are being more equipped in how to to lead women's teams? And especially these days where many teams are still predominantly male. Do you think there's been a change in focus with coaches and being more open to having women's teams? I think we still have a long way to go, if I'm being honest. Um, I mean, I spoke to a couple of girls um, from Hackney, not the Hackney rugby team, just a lot of local young girls from Hackney. And they had, they said they had issues with um, 
getting along with coaches from certain clubs. And I don't know if it's sort of a... Um, well, they, in their words, they said it was hard for them to relate to the coaches that were teaching them about rugby and coaching them about the sport. Um, so it could potentially be like a class issue because a lot of these girls were like young black girls from, uh, I guess, deprived neighbourhoods and um, mm-hmm. they were finding it hard to sort of engage with um, the coaches at a particular rugby club. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the the wider sense generally I feel like we are getting a bit better we are talking about certain things within the women's game um I know there's a lot of research stuff like um telegraph women's sports they've been really good um Mm -hmm. at really putting rugby to the forefront of of their uh, stories I know recently we we talked about periods like women having periods um during and sports and how we can sort of have discussions around you know, period cycles and playing sport, what can we do to sort of, to create understanding and also for the male coaches as well? Because you could have a, 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 you know, you have a woman on your team and she's going through a menstrual cycle, how to handle certain things like that. Um, so I think the, it's just all feeds back into the, we're talking about it more, we're talking about the issues about women's rugby more, which will hopefully help us resolve some of those issues. Absolutely. And Katie, standing on the sidelines, it's a slightly different perspective for you. How have you seen the change in the landscape change in, in recent years? I think probably the main thing is people's attitude around women's rugby is starting to change and people are actually taking it a lot more seriously, which I think is what everybody wants. You know, the women's game is serious and it should be taken seriously. And I think that with sort of, you know, TV rights and more girls playing the game, actually it's showing everybody that women's rugby is on the rise and we should all embrace it and view it in the same way as we do the men's game okay the professional level might not be there just yet but there's no reason why we shouldn't view the men's and the women's game differently because of genders you know and that, I think that's the big sort of movement where actually women's rugby is on the map now it's here to stay and it, it's only going to grow. Absolutely and I think that we have such a brilliant platform at the moment to keep the train moving and pushing forward and do you think that there will be behavioural changes that still we have to overcome in the coming years as well? I hope so I mean I hope that we won't have to keep doing the eye care campaigns and one day actually it doesn't matter but then you could say that for every aspect in sport you could say that for racism in sport and anything really so I think that hopefully one day there'll be a, a much greater proportion of people that watch the women's game and, and you know get their children involved or get their friends involved mm-hmm. um, and I think it will progress over time but I think time is not of the essence but it will take time for people to actually fully accept the women's game and I hope that 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 we can use social media in a positive way to you know get more people involved get young girls playing all these you know fantastic ways that we can use social media and not focus on the people that use it incorrectly. Absolutely. And, and speaking of the fantastic ways that, that young ladies can get involved in the game, Z, you have recently spoken quite passionately about your foundation, Studs in the Mud, and how that's supporting the community. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so Studs in the Mud, um, it was a 
project that I founded, I was actually on maternity leave and I usually have these like crazy, crazy ideas. I don't know if it's the hormones or I don't know, being inside the baby. But um, it's about using rugby and its values to sort of change, make positive change within the community. So this was founded in Ghana. Um, so my parents are Ghanaian. So it was a project that I, was, I wanted to um, found in Ghana and launch in Ghana. And so it's, it's mainly aimed at women and girls. I think because these age groups are often not really forgotten, but they're, they're sort of the feature. You know, you have the young, girl, young, um, uh, young boys and girls having aspirations. If you can give them the rugby values, you know, the respect, the discipline, all those amazing things that rugby can give you at a young age, it can ultimately, you know, character build. It's a character building. And then mm-hmm. go on to do other things um, that can transfer those skills into other aspects of their lives. Mm-hmm. And then for the women as well, I feel like it's really important for me to, to do something for the women out there using rugby as a tool because back home, especially, you know, in, in uh, countries such as Ghana, sports is not a priority. You know, it's often things like um, education, maybe getting married, having kids, but sport is not something that people really care about as much in their communities. So I wanted rugby to, to be that vehicle for change. And when I went out there, I had the rugby boots, uh, balls, all the equipment you need to play basic rugby and giving them to a young child who used to be like, was playing rugby barefoot to give them a fresh pair of um, boots. You could see their face just light up and they're so happy and so grateful. Mm. And I just thought, this is what I want to do. Like I want to use my, basically using my passion to, to help other people and to, um, the community so that's what it is about super and how can clubs in the uk get involved if they wish to yeah so um i've got a facebook page also instagram page uh, they can follow uh, us on instagram and facebook um we have a link because this year i'm hoping to actually uh, do a tournament out there in ghana it's amazing so last yeah last time i went it was um kids focus but I want to do something for the, the women out there so I want to do a seventh tournament for the local women out there um, so I'm currently raising funds so um, on Facebook uh, and on, on Instagram we have Studs in Mud page so people can go there's a link all the information is on there um, and it's just at Studs in Mud on Instagram you can find us there absolutely everyone go and donate now <laughs> <laughs> Um, so speaking of, you know, there's a lot lot of these issues that are coming to the forefront, especially with women's rugby. It's not just women, it's young girls getting involved. And, and a big part of that is changing behaviour. Something that's on the radar at the moment, Katie, and you're familiar with this, um, given your recent dissertation, is mental health in the sport. And talk to us a little bit more about the importance of it in rugby. I think everybody knows the core values of rugby, that, you know, teamwork, community, and feeling like you're involved in something that's probably far greater than sport. And the the sort of physical benefit everybody knows of sport, but mentally, even just going outside for a walk is fantastic. So if you translate that then into a game that incorporates this one team environment, it's only sort of going to improve. And we've heard a lot of male players come out and say that they're really suffering with their mental health. And I think with, by them doing that, it's also helped the game as a whole, not just the men's and the women's game, because it's showing people that, yes, OK, rugby is perceived as a tough sport, but the people necessarily, you don't have to be you know, tough, whatever that word is, that everybody uh, somewhere across their life will probably go through some sort of mental health difficulty. And that's just the world that we live in at the moment. And I think rugby 
and the core values and the friendships that you build in rugby can really help with all facets of your mental well-being, whether it's good or bad. And I think sort of the bonds that you build within the rugby community, regardless of whether you know they're at your club, you could find somebody in the middle of nowhere, and if they had a rugby shirt on, you could go up to them. By the way, you know, I don't, I have no idea where I am. Do you, you know, do you know where the local train station is? And because you're part of that rugby community. I think it's it's massive on your mental health because you feel like this global family is there for you because of the core values that the game sort of holds. Mm-hmm. Cool. And do you think that the future of rugby clubs is having representatives within the club that support mental health? Is, is that the future of, of the direction? I think it needs to be um, because mental well-being is, is so important. You break your knee, you go to a doctor. You know, you, you suffer with depression, you hide it. And I think that in some cases um and i think that is something that that needs to be looked on and you know people are playing rugby regardless of whatever level if you're at the highest level you're going to be under such demand and stress from your job and it's a, it's a pressure environment we've seen it with the six nations we'll see it with the world cups there is so much pressure over performance and everybody's looking at you so therefore clubs have especially professional clubs have to look at how can we support our players and different things that will affect their mental health. You know, the men's game, there's lots of things, a women's game, it could be based on the fact that people still view the women's game like it's nothing. So that's also another thing that actually clubs as a whole need to take responsibility of looking after player welfare. Absolutely, and, and player welfare, Z, you mentioned it in your previous podcast that you did with um, Fill Your Boots um, last year. Culture and, and the rugby culture in itself particularly for women, I suspect, in your opinion, has to evolve as well. You, you face significant challenges with, with the cultural side of rugby when you first began. Yeah, I mean, going back to sort of my own personal experiences, I think it, a lot of it was uh, the drink-based aspect. So going after winning the women of the match and you go, you know, to the bar and down a pipe and I, I didn't I couldn't drink, so I couldn't down a pipe, but... Um, that's just, I guess it's uh, one aspect to look at. I think there's always a time to in these situations. I don't drink, I can have an orange juice, I can have a lemonade. Um, so I think sometimes it's just asking questions like why. Um, and it's, I always say do not assume, like don't make assumptions about um, people's cultures. I think it's always safe to ask um, instead of just saying what you feel and getting it wrong. So I think it's about being comfortable with asking uncomfortable uh, um, uncomfortable questions sometimes and I think if you, if you know it's coming from a, a genuine place people do want to learn um, and asking a question will always be better than just assuming or uh, you know jumping the gun so yeah I think talking more asking more questions about people's cultures will definitely help. Absolutely and and you know it's quite that rugby culture can be quite intimidating to a lady who's choosing which club she joins or which sport she participates in. And, and is that going, is that the sort of piece that also needs to change as well to, to stop rugby being intimidating potential new players? Um, I think one thing, for example, just moving a little bit away from sort of the drinking aspect, but sometimes when you get a new person coming to a club, um, everybody's been there. We've been there for you know some time. We know what we're doing. You get a new person coming, mm-hmm. and 
not every club, but some clubs sort of, they join in and just get stuck in. And I think it's, it's worthwhile giving them a bit of, I guess like a little trial run within the training session. So people that are new to the game come off, I know some, some clubs do it anyway, come off, let's show you how to tackle, let's show you how to do passing, and then you can join afterwards. Because I think sometimes, um, no matter how old you are, I think even as grown women or grown adults, you go into a new club, you don't know anybody, you don't know anything about rugby, and you're just sort of thrown into deep end, you're not really sure. Um, I think it's always it's always good to have that reassurance that somebody can take you on, on the side, show you how to do the basics, and then you can join the group later. Um, but generally, I mean, we're all like pretty friendly, like rugby can seem really friendly, so we're always welcoming new players. Um, but I think maybe it's just that um, sort of talking through the basics sometimes uh, really does help. And I know a lot of clubs already do that. Absolutely. Steph makes a very good comment here in the comment section that coaches have the responsibility and knowledges of, of differences. And I think that that's a very poignant point that actually this cultural shift from whether it's culturally uh you know, gender-based, whatever that might be, has to come from the top. And I think coaches can be a real catalyst in making that change and pushing things forward. Um, I've, I've got a question from, from Rachel as well. This is directed to you, Katie. She says, how can journalism help increase diversity of women's rugby? Talk about it more. Uh, <laughs> televise the games more. Be more vocal about sort of everything. Because I think that there is a perception that women's rugby is one thing and actually it's completely different and it's not that you know women's rugby is made up with so many amazing women all shapes and sizes and it's it's the game and I think that recognition needs to be really really important not saying that it's just a women's game but actually showing the diverse ranges of women that play rugby and how that can really help the game grow um we've seen I mean, television needs to jump on women's rugby because you can't be what you can't see. And I think it's the same in anything. You know, young girls watching rugby. Oh, I look like this. You know, that player, you know, is the same size, dress size as me. Perfect. That means I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I think the more you show, you know, young girls or even older women that actually, you know, your next door neighbour might play. And that is the recognition that it needs. So journalism really needs to grow the game by giving the exposure. And, you know, as much as the men's game, why can't we have three or four articles a week on a women's game? The game's being played. So it's that really bringing the attention straight to the media and, you know, exposing women's game. Absolutely. I think um, that's a really good point that Katie just made. And off the back of that, I think... Um, in terms of hearing the stories more, I know that in terms of um, the Premiership, they're sort of seeing, they've given us insight to the players. So behind them as a player, what is the backstory, the jobs that they do, um, incredible, incredible women doing things as well as, you know, juggling, uh, playing rugby. So I think that aspect is really captivating and really engaging to know who the person is, what they do sort of in a day-to-day -day, as well as juggling rugby. And, it could be something so little, but you can relate to that person just because maybe they, they do the same job as you or like Katie was saying, they wear the same dress, dress size. Mm -hmm. Those little things that really make a massive impact within the community, just to know you can look at somebody and be like, I can relate to you. I'm going to try it out because I can see something um, 
in you that I can relate to. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I myself am a sort of beginner rugby player. And one of the reasons why I, I played was looking at the Red Roses and realising that half of them were as tall and as wore the same dress size as me. And I went, well, if they can do it, I can. So, And quite rightly, I think role models are so relatable for women and girls and the mindset and how we think and the choices that we make from what we think is super important to understand. Um, I've got another question from, from Matthew, um, who says, how can local regional rugby unions help promote and encourage women's rugby at the grassroots level? And what barriers are in place that need to be removed to encourage young girls to take it up and stay with the sport through to adulthood? But Z, I don't know if you want to take that one first. Um, gosh, this is a, it's a big question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what can they do to encourage? It's, it's not going to be easy. It's definitely a tough one. I think schools are a really good place to start. That's where um, that's where I started playing rugby. Uh, my PE teachers, they were into rugby and they were like my um, the people that actually said that, right, we're playing rugby today. And so I think schools are definitely a good place to start, but not always not stopping at school. So community hubs, where are these people going after school? So if they're going to youth centres, are they having, um, I don't know, faith, faith lessons, faith schools? Are they going to, uh, in a local estate, do they have, you know, like a sports centre? All these places apart, away from the school, I feel like it's really important for rugby to really get in there and, and show these people that there's a pathway to play rugby. Um, and I think barriers... It's tough because, I mean, at school, I think I was amongst a lot of the young girls that really enjoyed sports. I, I, was, had, I had friends that would write fake PE notes to get out of PE because they didn't want to play. And, I did. I did. <laughs> and you know what? I'm, it's interesting because, like, I had a chat with one of my friends recently and they were talking about PE back in school. And she, she brought on um, an incident where she was always the last to get picked for a team. And it was between her and someone else. There were always the last two people to get picked. And uh, one, one day, um, somebody picked her. And she's like, oh, OK, she's not the last anymore. And they're like, sorry, no, I meant the other, other person. So for her, that incident totally spoiled, spoiled like, her relationship with sport. And up to today, she doesn't, she's not sporty at all. She doesn't even go for runs or anything. So I think going back to why people are reluctant to or hesitant to play sports, going in deeper, what is the reason? A lot, I think body image is a big thing, both for young girls, they didn't want to get hot and sweaty. Um, you know, uh, I think especially the drop-off, that drop-off sort of 14 years old, going where they drop off sports, I think it's really important for us to go in there and ask the questions, why? Why is it happening? Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of things from there. I don't really have all the, I don't really have the answers, but I think, yeah, definitely a lot of questions to ask there. Yeah. Katie, do you think clubs can do more, you know, coming back to Matthew's question, do you think clubs can do more to engage with their local communities to, to get youngsters into the sport and, and particularly girls? Um, I think they have, they sort of need to. I think we see that the community game is big and we recognise that it's somewhere that could really be improved. But I think also, maybe not, I know there's this whole debate of tackling and children tackling and is it safe and everything. Okay, if you don't feel comfortable tackling, Give them a rugby ball, teach them how to play touch. Get them involved in an aspect of the game. And I think that would be fantastic. How many people walk down your street to Boris, you see, you know, in the park, kicking around a football? 
but very few people throw around a rugby ball and I think that's partly due to this whole oh I don't want to get hurt I, you know I don't I don't want to fall over I don't want to ruin my makeup or whatever it might be so take that away just play rugby without being tackled without a line out without mm-hmm. you know a scrum or whatever and get that more in the community game so people can realize that rugby isn't this you know big bad scary game it can just be throwing a ball around with your mates and the more you see that people will go oh actually I really like this what if I took it one step further and then that's also really where clubs can capitalise on the community because they can go, great, you like it, come with us. We can really nurture you and turn you into a fantastic player. Absolutely. I've got a couple of other questions. I've got one offline question, which is for you, Katie, which came in through my Instagram the other day, which was why why rugby sports journalism out of all the niches you could have chosen? Um, I have been obsessed with the game since I was <laughs> Um, my dad and I would watch every single game. I would go to a fixture, I'd come back, and I wouldn't even take my coat off. And my mum would go, "What are you doing? I'm watching the game." So, but you've just seen it, but yeah. Watching it back. Um, I just love the sport. I absolutely enjoy everything about it. The whole community aspect. I don't play. Um, I wish I could, but I can't. So I go down at uni every Wednesday and I go cheer on everybody that does. We watch the women's game, then we watch the men's game. And I just love that community feel. And I thought, what do I want to go into as an industry? And I thought, why not go into one that actually makes me incredibly happy? And, you know, you girls will know everybody really in the sport is, is nice and charming. You know, OK, obviously everybody probably wouldn't be. But as a community, it's such a fantastic sport to join and I, I just love the game. I'm pretty much obsessed with it, really. <laughs> yeah, that's why rugby. Fantastic. And I've got another question from Rachel here, who says, "What what's your favourite small furry animal? <laughs> it's uh, nuggets. It's nuggets. The uh, <laughs> little bunny rabbit. <laughs> that's my teammate asking that question. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I sense there's a story behind that, but I suspect we won't go into detail. <laughs> and we've got a, a few minutes left um, of your time. And I, I know as all of us in grassroots sports and particularly rugby, there's a lot of unseen hard work that goes in behind the scenes and a lot of work that goes into building a club and getting a team actually on the pitch. Um, and I want to use this this opportunity and a chance for you to shine a spotlight on your unsung grassroots rugby heroes. Um, tell us more about your unsung hero and, and why you've chosen them. Katie, you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, your sort of typical grassroots choice. Um, I've chosen Rachel Burford. Obviously, she's an England and Harlequins player. So actually, probably not your first choice of an unsung grassroots hero. But the work that she does with young girls, I think, is absolutely incredible. And I think that's where it needs to start. She's got her um, girls rugby club. And that is an international pathway and platform to connect. I think it's like 2.7 million girls that are playing rugby. And I think that if you start there, it's only going to grow throughout the grassroots game, the professional game and everywhere else. And I think she is really developing girls when they sort of need it and it's that role model to look up to and I think that is so important having a fantastic role model and what a perfect person to look up to and although you know people know her on the professional level the work that she does with growing young girls to take up the sport I think is just 
truly fantastic. And she's unsung in the way that maybe everybody knows that she does the work, but maybe not to the extent that she does it. Absolutely, absolutely. And Z, your unsung hero. I'm gonna say Anne Unwasiri, who uh, was is the founder of Black Girls Rock, um, a podcast which I've got into most recently. Um, and it's something that um, personal to me because I didn't actually, it's something that I guess I wanted to start myself. So, and she obviously got there first, which I absolutely love. And she shines a spotlight on um, the experiences of black people within rugby and how they, you know, what they've gone through and, um, you know, the experiences. And I just love it. And it's really funny, really witty. And I definitely think people should um, hop on and have a listen. Absolutely amazing podcast. Uh, so, yeah, I would say definitely give it to her. Her platform has grown. Uh, remember when she first started out, she's got over a thousand followers now and um, also testament to her hard work and people that are, are following and, you know, people that she has to, to speak on her podcast. So, yeah, Anne Siri, she's from Hackley, Hackney Girls. Fantastic, fantastic. And I've got one last question from David. He says, what role does social media play in influencing young girls? And Katie, I guess we'll hand this one to you. Huge, absolutely huge. Um, young, I'm, I actually feel blessed that I didn't grow up as a young girl in the social media craziness that it is now. Because I would hate to be a 13 year old girl looking at her phone feeling like she has to look like this supermodel, that singer, you know, wear this, wear that. And it is so important because young girls are glued to their phone. And if you have a role model that is actually a proper role model, you know, not this celebrity that lives in, you know, the middle of London in a huge, lovely house and gets all her money off of posting a photo, an actual person who does hard work can show you, you know, core values of anything. And then put that into the sport it's fantastic and actually for social media to say to young girls you should be proud to play sport you should be proud of who you are sort of regardless of what you think of yourself and I think it's huge as well on the mental health scale of letting girls know that social media isn't the be all and end all but it can be a fantastic platform to show them you know that life isn't just about taking a selfie and you can get out of there with your friends and play sport or or whatever it might be and it, it's such a fantastic tool to be used in the right way and we are at the moment probably on the verge of it being used in the wrong way so as sort of as a society everybody needs to change their way that they use social to make sure that young girls are viewing themselves and their friends and everything in a positive light fantastic Thank you so much for joining me for our first ever The Hardline podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Where can people find you on social media? Um, so my Twitter is at Katie Homewood and my Instagram is Katie Homewood Rugby, I think. Search one of the two, um, that will pop up. I'm always always tweeting away. Fantastic. And Z. Yeah, I'm um, Alima Zainab on Twitter and Z Alima on Instagram. So you can find me on those two platforms. Absolutely, everyone, go like, share, follow, and follow Studs in the Mud as well and get donated, yeah. guys. We are going to be back yeah. for the next Fill Your Boots, the hard line on the 2nd of March at 7 o'clock. So please come and join us in two weeks and we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.